God of all grace, grant us this grace that by your word and through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, you would illumine our minds, rekindle our hearts, and strengthen our wills. Grant us this grace, we pray, for we ask it in the name of the risen and ascended Lord, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm deeply privileged to be in your company this weekend. A guest from Canada, as has been observed a number of times, privileged to be part of the Parker Lecture Series, and in particular on this first Sunday of Advent, to bring the ministry of the Word. And pray that indeed God would grace us through this word and by his spirit. As was noted on this first Sunday of Advent, both the Old Testament reading and then just now the Gospel reading remind us of something fundamental to the celebration of this season of the year. That we come into this day, the first Sunday of Advent, mindful of the second Advent at the consummation of Christ's kingdom. And we are reminded of this through the window that is given to us into another sphere of reality. Advent 1 and Advent 2 are both powerful demonstrations of the capacity and grace of God to bring heaven to earth. Advent 1 and Advent 2 are about this sphere of reality being invaded by and infused by the wonder of heaven, heaven on earth. Christ comes down and takes on flesh, Advent 1. And then Christ comes down and establishes his reign of justice and peace, Advent 2. Even so, come Lord Jesus. You all likely know of the gospel reference in the Gospel of Luke to how Mary early in the narrative is described in this way. She pondered these things in her heart. The church has, over the centuries, been fascinated by this reference, wondering what it means to ponder these things. At the very least, of course, she pondered and recognized something that is so fundamental to our faith, that there is another sphere of reality, that what we see and feel and touch and taste is real, no doubt, but it is not all that there is. She knew that heaven had come down into her, her very womb. She knew that heaven was benevolent, bent on and leaning over and leaning into the redemption of this world. She saw the big picture and appreciated that even though this world may seem so very wrong in so many ways, there is hope. All is well and will be well, to reference the line from Julian of Norwich. Advent is about the intersection of heaven and earth, not in a way that suggests that earth does not matter. To the contrary, the things of this world, our lives in this world, our relationships, our work, they matter a great deal. And yet what we know is that this world deeply depends on the grace that comes through the Christ child. That is our only hope. And thus a suggestion. To be truly engaged in this world, in our relationships and in our work, requires an appreciation, an orientation, a vision perhaps, a better vision of heaven and earth. We know that this world matters, but we know that there is more than this world, and that that more is grace upon grace upon grace. And the genius of a full and rich Christian walk is that we sustain this deep awareness. We ponder these things, yea more, we live as those who are deeply engaged in this world, 
but with a mindful dependence on the benevolence of heaven. How do we do this? Through the practice of intentional and regular prayer. Prayer is supremely the spiritual practice by which we live in this world, fully engaged in this world, but as those who are keenly aware of that this world is graced by the presence, the power, and the love of Christ intersecting our world, infusing our world with heaven. The gospel reading for today is meant to shake us out of our lethargy, our propensity, and it's so easy to fall into it that we go through our days with little sense of the other, little sense of heaven. And when this happens, we are essentially materialists, Christians, but in name only, one might say. For indeed, we live and work and we go through our days as though this is all that there is. And we're doing what we can to get by. But when we move into this mode of being, living and working without reference to heaven, we live one-dimensional lives. And so we need the reminder. We need such seasons as Advent to bring us back to living in the here and now as those who know and feel the power of God's love and grace infusing our lives and our world. Wise women and men get this. They get the tension of living fully present to this world, deeply engaged with this world, deeply alive to this world, but with this caveat, we are in this world as those who pray. For it is through prayer, the shared collective prayers of the church, yea, what we are doing even now, but also the solitary prayers of the individual Christian, that we live fully present to this world, but not as mere materialists, instead as women and men of radical dependence on the grace of God. What do we mean by our prayers? What do we mean by this practice of prayer? The Christian spiritual heritage suggests that it's a daily, personal, solitary encounter, 15, 20 minutes perhaps, no more, where we give thanks, where we make personal confession, where we read scripture, where we pray a psalm, where we make our petitions, where we ask for the grace of God for this day. For some, this is how they will begin the day. For others, of course, they will start instead with coffee and then move to their morning prayers. For others, yay, I got an amen there, good. <laughs> for others, yay, it will be after the rest of the household leaves, the kids have gone to school and all is quiet, and then they will move to their morning prayers but they will recognize either way that it is basic spiritual practice. When we neglect our daily prayers, we become materialists. We lose our connection with heaven. And the temptation is always there to neglect our prayers for any number of reasons. But here are three reasons to which many, if not most of us, are subject. For some, they give up on prayer because seemingly it is not effective. It just doesn't work, they say. It doesn't make any difference, so why bother? For others, they are simply consumed with the stuff of life. They're too busy, and they know that they should be prayers, but they're taken up in the details and the particulars and the demands of complicated lives. And yet for others, they're very much caught up in what you might call the age of distraction. They might be inclined to prayer, but they cannot resist the pleasant sound of their voice, of their phone, pardon me, and they wonder, who is texting? 
or they're consumed with the news of the day that is available to them at their fingertips. On the first, that it doesn't work. It's merely a matter, frankly, of perspective and impatience. We are looking for short-term solutions to deep problems. We are inclined to think that even if God is there, God is too busy for us, not present to us, at least not in an immediate and gracious way. And we need to learn to trust God to do God's work in God's time. On the second, on our busyness, here too we are impatient and lacking in perspective. Our minds are so focused on the circumstances and demands of our day that prayer seems almost like an interruption. And the temptation is to think that, well, it can wait, if we get to it at all, of course. But the wise among us know better. They know that our busyness is a poor excuse for indeed part of the reason why we are living busy, frenetic lives is precisely because we have neglected our prayers. Hear me. The lack of prayer is not a symptom of busyness, but the reverse is the case. We are living consumed, busy, frenetic lives precisely because we are neglecting our prayers. For it is through prayer that we come to clarity and peace about what it is that matters most and what it is we are called to do. On the third, living in an age of distraction, there is no doubt, sisters and brothers, that this is a huge problem. As I serve as the president of an undergraduate university, the average age, 80% of our students are somewhere between the ages of 18 and 23. Is the word addiction too strong a word to describe what is happening amongst the emerging generation of people for the church and for our society? They are so consumed by this compelling call of their devices that they cannot hear and be attentive to the God who is present to them through their prayers. There's no avoiding this for them and for you and me, that in an age of distraction, we need to be intentional. Times of fasting, perhaps one day in seven, when we turn off our devices, perhaps in a season of the year, Advent or Lent, when we turn from and turn off the phone for substantial hours of time, we set the devices aside. We do not begin our day by checking, but wait. Or we head out for a walk and we literally leave the phone at home. Or we enter an evening conversation with friends. Or over a meal, we gather for a meal together and we agree that our phones and our devices will be left at the front door. Perhaps in this Advent season, we resolve afresh. We recognize that prayer is indispensable to our lives that we deeply and truly want to be women and men of prayer. And so we let this Advent season not only be a season of prayer, but a season in which prayer is restored to our lives and recovered as something that is integral to our daily experience. May it be so. Amen.